0: breathing in air the fake ain't phony they are just seeing impaired cuz you believe what you see or believe what ain't there the real world is twisted and to me it ain't fair cuz greedy people seem welcome to the voices in my head the intro and outro music is west and coast, open coast open by the high council open you open can check them out on soundcloud welcome back back with another please accountability episode and this is a wild one it's seen a pattern with the sexualization of police officers. We had a situation where, if in Minnesota, where a female police officer, the first female police officer of a rural police department, after five years, she quit and filed a, a sexual harassment lawsuit against them, saying that they were continually and constantly sexually harassing her. Then there was the police officer in Tennessee that actually had sex with about one quarter to one third of the police department, which were fired because they were sleeping with her. And she actually had sex with two of the officers in, in the police station. And then everybody, they lied about it and they tried to cover up. So, But this one's different because it is a male officer who was being sexually harassed. And he actually shot the sergeant that was allegedly doing this. So I am on wavy.com. This article is dated April 3rd, 2023. The headline is JCCPD officer who shot his sergeant, quote, I thought he was going to rape me. And that is the James City County Police Department. So the article starts off with a quote, I thought he was going to expletive rape me. Those were the words that James City County Police Officer Michael Russ screamed at 911 operators shortly after allegedly shooting and seriously hurting Sergeant Christopher Gibson outside a Williamsburg bar in January. Russ is facing charges in connection to the January shooting which investigators initially said happened as a result of a, quote, verbal argument after a night of drinking. The 911 call made by the alleged shooter, however, along with surveillance video exclusively obtained by 10 on your side, shows another side of the story. And I'm actually going to jump over and I'm going to play part of it because they, the, the same W-A-V-Y is talking with the father and of the young man, the officer that did the shooting, and alleges the attempted rape, playing the 911 call for the father for the first time. So I'm going to just play that. I shot Jordan Gibson! Do what? I shot Jordan Gibson! So here you hear a very, extremely distraught individual telling the 911 dispatch operator that he shot Sergeant Gibson. Now, the part they're not playing and they, they actually said was that he identified himself as soon as he called 911, told him who he was, gave his badge number, and then saying he shot Sergeant Gibson. Extremely distraught. When I watch some of the true crime shows, and you you have a spouse or a partner a kill kill their husband or wife, and then they call nine one one, and it's so nonchalant. It's like, oh yeah, and they try to play it off as a suicide. Yeah, my my wife shot herself, and she's dead, and, and you know it's very calm and no big deal, and there's there's no emotion. Now this is extreme amount of emotion. And I don't think it's playing up for the camera. I, I, to me, when I listen to this, I hear someone that is extremely distraught. I pulled a gun and I'm like, can you me? Is he breathing? He's going to fell out. So this is, this is crazy. All right. So I'm getting back to the WAVY article. Russ family and lawyers agree. The evidence makes a case for self-defense after he says he suffered unwanted sexual advances from his superior officer. The call was made in the early hours of January 25th from outside a bar on Scotland street in Williamsburg. That's when James city County officer, Michael Russ allegedly shot. Sergeant Gibson. Russ calls and immediately states his name and badge number to the dispatcher before saying, I shot Sergeant Gibson. He goes on to say, I pulled a gun on him because he was expletive advancing on me. Russ dad tells 10 on your side, his son had been subject to unwanted sexual advances from Gibson for about a year prior to the shooting now w- what I would like to know is was the son talking with the dad saying hey this guy is being creepy with me was this guy this guy's making advances and what type of conversations were happening during that time the the other thing and, and I've said this before and I don't see many people doing this and, and I, I made this comment in other especially the the one up in Minnesota that, People that are in these type of situations need to be keeping a log. They need to be keeping a journal. They need to have some type of camera on them or a recording device so they can record these type of events. I tell a story, this was back in the 90s and I was telling people. And the fact that it does seem like people know to do this today. I had back in the 90s a friend that told me she was being sexually harassed at work, at her job. And it was not a job I worked at. It was just a different job. I told her to, every night you come home, if something happened, you write down exactly what happened, the date, the time, who was there, was there anyone else around that witnessed it, exactly what was said to you, exactly how it made you feel. I mean, keep a very detailed journal of that. And I keep on saying that because when I see this, if this young man had something like that or took in recording devices besides his body-worn camera that he could record interactions with his sergeant that they could point to this. And even as young kids, I realize young kids may not, when I say young kids, I'm talking younger generation. He's not a kid, he's an adult. But these younger generations may not want to sit down with a piece of paper, but get in front of your your laptop, your desktop, turn on the camera, do do a 15, 20-minute vlog every night to say, hey, today... I, w- I was on duty from this time to this time and Sergeant Gibson made this comment or he touched me and, and I, di- I didn't like how it felt. I, I told him to stop. And you have hundreds of these, you know, you, that you have 50, 20, 50, 75, 100 of these that when you go to file a lawsuit or defend yourself in shooting him, you can pull all this up to have all this type of evidence and along with any type of personal recording device that you can catalog and log to show over the past year, two years, or as the female officer in Minnesota, five years worth of sexual harassment. So back to the article. This is from the James Russ, the father. Quote, we just kind of wrote it off as a superior looking after a subordinate. Once again, I, I think parents are justice to blame. Even if this was a woman, par- parents do not teach their kids that there are sexual predators out there. Now, maybe if it was his daughter, he would have took a different approach, but that, ah, oh, no, guys don't do that to each other. No, it it can happen. And back to the quote, but, it's, but it would start to get creepy. Gibson would just show up out of nowhere on the streets where Michael's girlfriend lived, he said. Once again, document this. If he had a journal or he was doing a vlog and he was like, hey, I, my girlfriend just called me and, and Sergeant Gibson was outside her house or I, w- I was walking down the street to go see my girlfriend and Sergeant Gibson was there. Well, once I know he's, he's following me outside of work, I'm going to have my own personal body camera. And they're small. You can't see those. I would have recorded the interaction was with him. And and I would have all that documented because I'm thinking lawsuit, not I shot the guy. I'm thinking at a certain point, I'm going to be filing a lawsuit and I need to have all my ducks in a row and have a clear cut case of this happening. Back to the father's quote, there was extreme inappropriate touching, the stalking, the grooming, he said. Russ claims his son reported the behavior to others at the police department, but it was written off. Once again, were these just conversations or were there formal complaints? You have to do formal complaints. Even my job, we have an ethics department. I keep on telling people you have to file a formal complaint. And now within our process, if I go to my manager and I talk with him, he is now responsible for filing the formal complaint. But I'm still going to send an email. I, I mean, I've just learned CYA conversations never happen emails are records of you have a copy of an email and then i'm going to print out that copy and have it with me at all so i have a permanent copy of that email so back to the article a freedom of information act by 10 on your side requesting a history of any complaints filed against gibson within the department was denied multiple attempts to reach gibson for comment were unreturned so i'm wondering do they have this young man's Formal complaints against Gibson on file. Does their professional standards, internal affairs, have these complaints? Do supervisors have these complaints? Are there other young officers that maybe have left the department have filed complaints? And hopefully with this now getting the attention... Of him being shot and the the young man coming out saying he was grooming me, he was being inappropriate with me. That maybe other police officers may come forward now and to say yes, he was doing this to me. So back to the article on the nine one one call. Russ tells the dispatcher that he tried to deny Gibson's advances. "Quote: I told him no, and he just kept going. I told him to stop. He kept going. I thought he was going to rape me." He said. The two are seen hours before the shooting on a surveillance video. At first, they're sitting across from one another at a table. Then Gibson moves around to the other side, so he's sitting next to Russ. That's when Gibson reaches for Russ' hand under the table. The advance is met with hesitation from the young officer, and they actually have that surveillance, and if you're watching on YouTube, I have that up, and I'm actually going to describe what I am seeing here. They are sitting, it looks like, at a bar, and they're at a table at the bar, and it's one of the high-top tables, not not one of like the uh, dining table. They're sitting across from each other at the table, which normally is what guys would do, especially heterosexual guys. They sit across from each other. Unless there's four of them, then you're going to be sitting, or at least three, then someone has to sit next to somebody. All right, so I'm going to cut off the audio because I don't want to play the audio. The two officers are sitting across from each other at the table, and you can see that the sergeant gets up, he walks around, and sits next to the young officer. Now, the one thing I did notice is that the young officer was shaking his leg nervously. Now, that could just been a nervous tick. I've seen people do that, and it just, it's a habit. At the same time, maybe this guy was feeling uncomfortable with the sergeant coming around. And if I'm a defense attorney, I'm actually going to be pointing that out and then he reaches his hand up like he was trying to gr- touch his leg and then he grabs the other officer's right around the bicep the elbow and pulls him closer to him now obviously we don't have audio we don't know what's being said and then they then the surveillance fairly really cuts to them being outside so there's more that's not being shown that hopefully the the defense attorney has and the news people have they're outside and there there seems to be some type of disagreement or um, the body language is is kind of tense, and you see him touch it. And the sergeant touches him, and Rusk uses his left arm and pushes him backwards, and then steps away. The sergeant continues to move forward towards him, and then they. It cuts to where the young officer is probably standing maybe about four or five feet away. You can't see the sergeant because of the post of the building is blocking his view. But the young officer is pointing his finger like he's lecturing somebody. And he's very animated with the body language that he's shaking the finger, pointing at him like, you you know, I'm thinking, you stop, stop doing this. I don't like you doing, I mean, it's something. And that finger pointing is what is really grabbing my attention. And then he, he has his phone out too. So I'm not sure if he was trying to call somebody or he was recording the interaction. And I would like to see what's on that. I'm sure the defense is holding that tight. The defense is keeping that quiet, what's what's being said there. So now back to the article. The video shows the two leaving the bar just about an hour before the shooting. After Gibson puts his hand on Rush's shoulder, you see Russ forcefully push him off and put a finger in his face before walking away. And that's why he said he pushed. He used his left arm to push him away. Here's a quote from Russ's attorney. If our client was a female this case would be drastically different. It's clear self-defense issue, said Peyton Ackers, one of Ruskin's Rusk, uh, lawyers. Quote, it's very unfortunate that the narrative that's out there isn't the narrative that's going to come to light at trial. If this goes to trial, I believe the 911 call will play a major role in our client's innocence, Atkins said. Russ family hoped the new evidence will get his son' charges dropped. Here's a quote from Ruskin's father. If I had a daughter in the same position as my son, we wouldn't even be here. They would have listened. We wouldn't have had an innocent person fighting for his freedom. And I agree with that. Once again, the, the police department rallies around to protect themselves, but they definitely protect the higher ups than the, the lower officers. The higher up in the ranks, the more protection you get. And I see that in businesses and corporation. The higher up you are, the better you, the company is going to protect you because the the organization is more vulnerable to lawsuits to senior management than a line worker. A line worker doing something bad is not as going to get, get them in as much trouble or as big as a lawsuit as someone in senior management or even middle management. A type of leadership position will bring on a bigger lawsuit to the organization and a sergeant sexually harassing somebody. I, I do think this is a clear case of that this was a man allegedly making sexual advances to another man that's not getting the same attention. Had the, the younger officer been a female officer, it would be getting a totally different set of attention than being a man. The, I've, I've said this in many times. And I truly believe this, that the police departments are very homophobic. They try to, because they're macho. It's a man's world. They try to be macho. That People are gay and if people want to be gay, they're more than welcome to do that. It just with any sex, you cannot force yourself onto a coworker, especially if you're in a position of power that is just a no go. You don't do those type of things. I'm glad to see this coming out. It's sad that listening to the the young man and how distraught he is, He, he is, his life is over even if he is found not guilty and or they drop the charges for with this type of information coming out. And if they have provable claims against the sergeant where this young man has made documented claims that the sergeant was making unsexual, unwanted sexual advances, was clearly making some type of comments or touch that the young man did not want, that if it was a female, it would be looked at totally different. They may even drop the charges. It's just that I'm seeing a pattern as, as corrupt as the police department is or as that we're seeing a more sexualized police department. And maybe it's just that the stars are aligning right, that we're just seeing more and more of these stories come to light. And I would not be surprised to see more down the road as we see these type of things. And if I get any more updates on this, and I'm sure they will be, I will bring them back to everybody. Thanks for listening.